Welcome into Mock Trial Masterclass, your guide to controlling the courtroom. I'm Luke and I want you to be a Mock Trial Master. Let's talk about how you can make that happen. In a mock trial round, if you're an attorney, cross-examination is your time to shine. It's your time to control the courtroom more than anyone else, and it's your time to be in control. But one of the really important parts to maintaining that control and to maintaining that spotlight is knowing when to quit. Sometimes that means knowing when to quit on a particular line of questions, when it's time for you as the attorney to move on to a new topic with the witness. Sometimes that means knowing when to quit your entire cross-examination. And I have seen a lot of attorneys over the years have what would have been a really good cross-examination go to a really low point because they just didn't know when to quit. They stayed on a particular topic for way too long or they stayed doing their entire cross-examination for way too long when it should have ended a whole lot earlier than it did. So to make sure that you don't make those same mistakes and that you're prepared to quit on time and exactly when you need to in your next mock trial competition, in this video, I'm gonna go over my three favorite ways to know when it's time to quit during your cross-examination. If you're crossing a witness in your next tournament and one of these three things that we're about to go over happens, it's time to stop. And because you'll have these three things in the back of your head, you'll know to do just that. So, are you ready to hop in? Let's do it. The first sign that it's time to stop on your cross-examination, again, either stop on a particular topic or line of questions or, or stop the whole thing if you're at the end of your content, is that you're beating a dead horse. And here's what I mean by that. If you catch yourself asking questions about the same fact over and over and over again, and it's clear that the witness is getting tired of it, and the judge is getting tired of it, and the jury's getting tired of it, it's time to move on. Now, you really want to move on before you get to that point, right? You don't want to get to the point where, you know, uh, you know everybody's getting tired of it, and you probably should have moved on earlier. But here's the thing. A lot of times, attorneys feel like they need to make a big point several times for it to actually land. But what's really happening when you keep asking the same type of question over and over again is you're actually losing some of the power of that point. Because again, people are going to get tired of hearing about it. The witness is going to be disengaged. The judge is going to be disengaged. And worst of all, in mock trial, the jury's going to be disengaged. And since they're the ones scoring you, that's not something you want to happen. Now, there are times where maybe you have a really big point and you want to emphasize it by asking about that point in a few different ways. That's okay. I'm fine with that if that's planned. But what you don't want to happen is ask the same topic, the same piece of content over and over and over again. You know, you're looking at a witness who's talking about the fact that you know, they slaughtered an animal, maybe, I don't know. And, and so you're saying, you know, you slaughtered that animal. Yes, I did. And you did it with a knife. And while it was happening, that animal was crying out for help, right? And you just kind of start going and start going. And maybe the first two or even three could possibly be okay. But the further you go down that rabbit hole, everyone gets the point already. They're ready for you to move on. And so you need to do that. You need to give people their wish and move on when you start beating a dead horse on cross. The second sign that it's time to move on, it's time to quit during cross-examination, is that you get a terrible line from one of your witnesses. 
That's happened to me a few times back when I was competing in mock trial in high school and college. I can think of one time I was cross-examining uh, the vice president of a company who, when I asked him, I said, and you didn't bring such and such records with you to court today because they weren't included in our court, our court, our case packet. And his response to that was, yes, because I wanted to save the trees or save the environment, right? Horrible, horrible answer. I can think of another time I was cross-examining an investigator when I was in college, and this particular investigator did not interview anyone as part of their investigation. And so to sort of trap them, I walked up and I said, and an investigator so-and-so, uh, I'm sure you talked to a lot of people during your investigation, me assuming they would have to admit, no, they didn't. And, and she said, yeah, I did. I was very confused. I'm like, well, who'd you talk to? She said, well, I... I, I talked to people and asked them questions in my, in my head. I asked myself questions in my head. It's like, oh my gosh, what a terrible line. Chances are, if you do mock trial long enough, you're going to run into moments like that too. And believe me, it doesn't really have anything to do with your skill, right? The best of attorneys have had moments like that, and the worst of attorneys have had moments like that. Witnesses slip up sometimes, and they give you really, really bad information. And when you get a line that is that bad, that is not even coming from the witness statement, that's just some mistake that the person on the witness stand has made, the best way to capitalize on that is to move on. Maybe you emphasize it once with an extra question, but you gotta move on after that. And work with me here. Which of these two scenarios do you think is more powerful? Let's go back to the manager telling me, or the, the VP telling me that he didn't bring papers to court because of the environment. So I asked the question, I said, you didn't bring these important documents with you to court. You didn't provide them to the jury. And his response is, that's correct. I wanted to save the environment and, and, and save the trees by not using as much paper. Now, if my follow-up to that was, okay, and, and if you had brought these documents, we would have been able to see. Versus if I had said, hold up. You're telling us that you didn't bring these documents to court to save paper? You do, are you ta you're taking, I assume you're taking this case seriously, right? And, and I just want you to, you, you're not bringing them today because you wanted to save paper. Okay, well, let's move on to the next topic, right? Obviously, the second one of those was way more powerful. And so again, yeah, you can punch back on the terrible answer to highlight it and, and raise it up and make sure the, the jury understands just how crazy that answer was. But you don't want to do that and then go, now, now those documents, let's talk about what, what would have been on the doc. No, it, it's time to move on at that point. The point has been effectively made. There is nowhere else in that particular line of content you could possibly go that would be better or more persuasive than the jury. And what does that mean? It means it's time to quit right there. So sign number one that it's time to quit is when you're beating a dead horse, when you're asking about the same topic or, or question or piece of content over and over. And number two is when the witness gives you a really, really bad line, move on. Before we get into the third sign that it's time for you to move on during your cross-examination, I want to make sure you know that my book, Mock Trial Masterclass, is available for purchase on Amazon. And guys, this is full of basically everything I've learned over my last nearly a decade in competing in and coaching and judging and doing really everything with Mock Trial. It's got chapters for attorneys and witnesses on all sorts of topics like direct examination, cross-examination, objections, speeches. It's everything you need to know to excel as a Mock Trial competitor. I like to call it the championship plan that anyone can understand. And if you want to pick up a copy, you can do that by clicking the link in the description on YouTube or in the show notes on podcast platforms. Sign number three that it's time for you to move on during your cross-examination 
is if you're tempted to swing for the fences, or as I like to say sometimes, asking a home run question. Here's what I mean by that, right? Let's say we have a witness on the stand who is the defendant's best friend, right? That makes them biased, clearly, right? And so you start asking questions that point to that. Now, Mr. Miss Witness, you actually are best friends with the defendant. You two grew up together, you went to high school together, and, and just a few weeks ago, you were actually planning to go on a vacation. If, if this trial wasn't happening right now, you two were going to be at the beach together. Right now, you're following all of those questions that I'm asking, right? They're making sense. You get where I'm going. So do you think I should stop there? Or on the heels of those questions, add in one more like this. Again, I'll, I'll ask that last one again. Uh, if this trial wasn't happening right now, you two had actually been planning on going to the beach together. You're biased, aren't you? Okay, let's stop for a second. What do we think the witness's response to that is going to be? If it's a witness who's worth much of anything, they're going to balk at that and refuse to give in and start giving all of these explanations for why they're not biased and just bringing you the facts today. That's problem number one with this. Problem number two is that the jury really didn't need you to go there. Because my guess is, is that as a second ago I was asking these, these leading questions talking about the witness's bias, you as the viewer sitting watching this video, you were getting the point that this witness was biased, right? You didn't need me to ask that final home run, swing for the fences, tie up question of, well, you're biased, aren't you? Right, because you're logical. You can follow the line of question if it's simple enough, which this one was. And the same goes for your jury members, right? They're going to be able to follow your line of questioning. They're going to be able to follow your logic on something like that. And so they don't need you to ask that home run question. Now, I get it. A lot of times when you're just starting out in mock trial, you feel the need to ask that home run question, either because maybe you've seen someone on television do it in a courtroom drama, or because just for whatever reason, you feel like if you don't ask that question, the, the point that you're trying to make is not going to get made and it's not going to be effective. But I promise you, the only way that the point you're trying to make will not be effective, the real way to kill the point you're trying to make is to ask that home run question. What you want to do on your cross-examinations is you want to ask enough questions to lead right up to the point where you would ask that home run question and then quit. Either move on to your next line of questions, to your next topic, or if you're out of content and it's time for the cross itself to be done, end the cross itself. You never want to ask that home run question again because it gives the witness way too much power and the jury really doesn't need it. So that's it, the three signs that it's time to quit on your cross-examination. I promise, if you can remember those three signs and keep them in your head, and when you see one of them go, oh, okay, that's one of those signs, it's time for me to quit, you're gonna quit at just the right time, and your cross-examinations will shoot into the stratosphere and rise to the level of a mock trial master.